we're going to talk about believing prayer tonight. So if you remember, some of you remember, some of you have been here and there, uh, we were looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, and we looked at seven key areas that the church focused on, the early church focused on, and we talked about that these could be seven areas that we pray about for our church. And so over the last few weeks, we've looked at some of those areas. We looked at the importance of scripture in a church. We looked at the importance of um, being together, fellowship, spending time with each other. Last week, we looked at worship and what true worship is, and that it's not about the music, it's about the heart. Because you can worship the Lord without being in a worship service, okay? So today, we're going to talk about prayer, okay? So we're going to talk about believing prayer. And we're going to look at James chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. So if you're using a pew Bible, that's page 638. So James chapter 5, very familiar passage of scripture, we're going to go through it. But before we do that, we're going to talk about, as we've talked about before, a forgotten reality in a church. So we're going to talk about how we as churches can lose our focus. Uh, and so many believers are confused about what church is. And, and, and really, that's, that's very true. We've talked about that. They think it's a service to attend. They think it's an organization. Or they think the purpose of the church is different, uh, depending on you know, how strict they are to how open they are, and so forth. And so many, many people are confused. So that's why we looked at Acts chapter 2. And from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, we had seven things that we wanted to focus on. So the first one is God's word. Okay. Again, they focused on the apostles' teaching, the importance of getting God's word in their life. Fellowship, that was spending time together. The Greek word is koinonia, meaning intimate time with each other. They enjoyed spending time with each other. And so the implication is, actually, when you read it, it's about spending time with each other, not just in a church service, not just at a function on a Sunday morning. They got together throughout their time together weekly, daily. Then we talked about worship, and that was the breaking of bread, which is communion. So we talked about a heartfelt worship that is responding to salvation and what Jesus did for us. Of course, they devoted themselves to prayer. That's what we're going to look at today, prayer. Now, they also had a focus on God's presence. God's, God's presence was very real to them. He worked in their midst. He did awesome things, and they had a fear of God. It really, really struck them that God was in their midst, and so they had a fear, a healthy fear of God. We forgot this one on the list last week. I kind of mentioned it to you, sacrifice. So they were willing, they, the scripture says they held all things as common. So that is they held on to their things loosely, and when they saw a need that they could help with, they were willing to sacrifice what they had to help others within the church. And then the final word is impact. 
they had an impact. People were being added to the church. People were being saved because of where they're at. But let's, let's talk a little bit, first of all, because we're going to focus today on prayer, so the forgotten reality of prayer. So I've got two things I want to point out here. Here's the first one. B- believers often view prayer as frustrating. I think we can all relate to this statement. If you were to talk to people about what is the most frustrating thing for you in your walk with Jesus, I think if they listed things within that top two or three things, somebody's going to say to you prayer. Because they're frustrated. Because and, and, and the frustration is, number one, I don't know how to pray. Number two, I question whether or not I have enough faith to pray. Number three, does God even hear me? Because, you know, I've got this past sin or whatever in my life. Four, I don't seem to be seeing God answering my prayers anyhow. Five, I don't pray like, and you think about somebody from your past who's in church, who was a, quote, prayer warrior in the church. I don't pray like them. And the list goes on and on and on. And we find ourselves frustrated. Here's one. When I pray, I just fall asleep. So I, I, I you know, or, or I can't get down on my knees because my knees hurt. And, and, and I can't pray the right way. And, and so you hear the most interesting things and people tend to be frustrated. Tend to be frustrated about prayer. Now here's the problem with that though is that when we begin to view prayer as frustrating, here's what happens. This perceived hardship leads to a level of prayerlessness. Now notice I said perceived. If you, in your mind, see prayer as frustrating, and you list all these reasons why you can't pray, or you have a hard time praying, or whatever. What ends up happening is, is that perception of you concerning prayer ultimately leads you to not pray, to be very honest with you. Okay, so here's what happens now. All right, that's on an individual level. On the church level, because I know I've seen it. I've experienced it. I'm sure you've experienced it as well. I can remember... When I became a believer in 1985, being in a little church that was about the size of our church here, they maybe had a hundred people on Sunday morning, okay? So maybe just a little bit bigger than us. But on Wednesday night prayer meeting, there would be 30 adults there. Now that's a pretty good turnout for prayer meeting. 30 adults would be there for prayer meeting. And they would break up into, and I remember, I remember those early years being there, they would break up into groups of men and women. So there would be two groups of women praying in a circle, two groups of men. Fast forward now, 20 years I'm pastoring a church, and maybe the turnout is like what we have right now. Some instances, there's been, I can remember days when nobody would show up. And here's the thing, it wasn't just me experiencing that. If you talk to pastors everywhere, 
Nobody's showing up for prayer meetings, so guess what we do? We eliminate prayer meetings. What's going on? What happened in 30 years? From a seriousness about prayer to where 30 years later, we're not that serious anymore in our church culture. So I'm not just talking about our church, I'm talking about church culture in general. Okay? I remember 30 years ago, the hour of power. Prayer meeting was the hour of power. Do you remember hearing that? Okay. What happened? Well, I think so many things about prayer being a frustration and the level of prayerlessness in people's own lives, they don't want to come to prayer meeting now. Any kind of prayer meeting. In fact, it's very common, like when we have public functions and so forth, to have people come up to me and say, don't, call, call, don't ask me to pray out loud. They're nervous about praying out loud. Why do you need to be nervous? Self-perception. Also, why do they have that self-perception? Maybe they don't pray regularly in their own lives. Did you understand what I'm saying? So they feel uncomfortable praying, not sure how they're praying or whatever. But so this perceived hardship leads to a level of prayerlessness. Okay. All right. So let's, let's just admit it. Um, I think about three years ago, Maybe within, within over two years ago, we met, we, there was a realization that we weren't praying anymore during our services, except the closing prayer or for the offering. So now I do a pastoral prayer. But we also were realizing we're not praying. So we tried different things. The point is, is we need to pray. And we need to have those who feel called to pray come and pray, whether there's two people here or eight people. Hopefully one day there'll be 30. But the point is, is we need to pray. Now, how do we address the prayerlessness, though? How do we address the perception of prayer as a hardship so that people can overcome that prayerlessness? So that's where we're going to go to James right now. We're going to go to James chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 16 through 18. And we're going to see what James says about prayer here. He's going to use a fellow by the name of Elijah to illustrate a point. But I've got four things I want to show you, four things I'm excited about. Hopefully you'll catch the excitement too. Okay, so here's what he says. Verse 16, in context of what's going on here about healings and dealing with sin, he says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Okay, so the emphasis there, we need to pray for each other. And then he makes this statement, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now I'm going to draw four things here that will help us to pray with faith, to have believing prayer, okay? First of all, you have to you have to come to a conclusion about your prayer. If you have a conclusion in your mind that prayer is just simply a religious exercise, just hang it up. Prayer is not a religious exercise. Okay, so we have everybody here's married. 
What if in your marriage there was no communication? Nobody talked to each other. Where would things go? They'd go south pretty quick, right? In a relationship, there has to be communication. Prayer is the component of speaking to God in our relationship with him. Now, if, if your relationship, you view just talking to each other as a chore, it's still going to go south, right? You're not going to expect anything. Well, I guess I have to talk to them today. No, no, that, that's not a relationship, okay? It's the same thing with God. You are talking with the creator of the universe who saved you, who lives within you through the person of the Holy Spirit, who's guiding you, who's with you all the time. It's, it's a relationship. So if you perceive it as that, I can see why it's prayerlessness. So you have to have a different perception about prayer. So here's the first statement. Faith-empowered prayer accomplishes much. Faith-empowered prayer accomplishes much. Look at the statement James makes here, verse 16. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So a righteous man, when he prays, is going to accomplish much. Now, I can already hear, well, okay, yeah, righteous. But I'm not righteous, George. You don't know what I've done. Uh, your righteousness isn't based on yourself. Your righteousness is based on who, folks? Jesus. Do you understand? When God sees you, he doesn't see you based on your righteousness because your righteousness doesn't exist. You have no righteousness. You're unrighteous. You're dirty. Your righteousness is because Jesus gave you righteous. He imputed to you righteous. So you are righteous. So your fervent prayer is going to avail much. This is what James is saying. When you pray, and if you're earnest about it, if you are fervent about it, if you're, you're dedicated to that prayer, God's going to do something because you pray. So faith-empowered prayer accomplishes much. Now, of course, somebody's going to say, well, you know what, George, I've been listening to the guys on TV. I don't know that I have that kind of faith to have that empowered prayer to see God do things because I don't know that I have that kind of faith. Okay, let's just stop for a minute. Let's, let's put this to rest too, okay? First of all, when you listen to those guys, what in the world are they talking about? Seriously, what are they talking about? You don't have enough faith. The fact that you're praying is an exercise of what? Faith. The fact that you're going to him is you're saying to him, God, I believe you're the only one who can answer this. That in itself is enough faith. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? That in itself is enough faith. You have the faith. Your faith is what saved you. You're trusting in Jesus Christ for your salvation. That's faith. So you're acting upon that faith of trusting in him to do what he's going to do. To do what he's going to do. So faith-empowered prayer accomplishes much. So here's the second thing. James makes this point in verse 17. You need to put a star by this point. There are no special prayer warriors. 
well, okay, yeah, I know I need to pray, but I'm not like sister so-and-so. I remember sister so-and-so when my mama and daddy took me to church, and, and I would sometimes sit with them in prayer meeting or some meetings, and they would call upon sister so-and-so to pray, and or she prayed in Sunday school, and it just seemed like she knew God, and I'm, I'm not like that. Or brother so-and-so, the deacon from the church, and boy, he could really touch heaven with his prayers, and he, he just went on, and I can't pray like him either. Who cares? There's no special prayer warriors. How can you say that? Uh, if you think there's a special prayer warrior, would you say Elijah is in that category? The prophet of God, the mighty prophet of God? Would you say that he probably can talk to God and gets things answered. Would you say that's true? All right, well, look at what he says, verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. What, what, what do you think that means? He was a man with a nature like yours. What do you think that means? It's pretty simplistic. He's just a man like you. There was nothing special about him. He's just somebody God used. He prayed just like a man. In fact, if you want to know about Elijah, read chapter 19 and 20 and see him hightail it because some woman's out to kill him. He panics. He goes through depression. Seriously, he's just like you. So how is he different? He prayed. He prayed believing. That's the difference. That's the only difference. There is no difference. If you pray believing like he prayed believing, you're going to see God do things in your life. Period. You have to talk to God. You have to pray. There are no special prayer warriors. Okay? No special prayer warriors. Here's the next point. The key to prayer is a determined commitment. The key to prayer is a determined commitment. Look at that next phrase. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and here's what it says. And he prayed earnestly. Here's the thing. When Elijah prayed, he didn't just pray one time. That's what we do sometimes. Oh, God, I need your help in this situation. And we don't ever talk to him about it again. We don't expect anything. That's part of our prayerlessness. Elijah, when he prayed, Hey, God, remember I told you about this? I need you to do this today. Sort of like what we do, you know, like my kids. Hey, Dad, remember I'm, I'm leaving for college. I need you to take care of that. Oh, yeah, I'll take care of it. Hey, Dad, it, it, it's getting close to the time. I need you to take care of this. You, you know what I'm saying? Why? Because he knows Dad can take care of it. He just has to get Dad's attention, right? We know God can do it, but you've got to be earnest about it. In fact, isn't it what Jesus said in the parables many times? He said, prayer's like the guy who has a, somebody come and visit, and he's got nothing to feed him, so he goes next door, banging on the door. Hey, give me something for my guest at 2 or 12 in the minute. My kids are in bed. And it says what? He'll give it to him because he's persistent. We need to be persistent in prayer, believing that he'll do it. Have faith, okay? So the key to prayer is a determined commitment. Here's another one. 
Remember the story of the widow and the unjust judge? The widow goes to the unjust judge seeking justice, and the judge says, get, get out of here, I don't need time. But she comes every day, and the, and the judge says, you know, I don't believe in God, and, and I'm, I'm not a righteous man, but to get this woman off of my back, I'm going to give her what she wants. Then Jesus said, how much more will God who loves you take care of you? The key to prayer is determined commitment. It's knowing that the person you're talking to can answer to can answer you, and you are wanting that answer. So faith enters into prayer with an assurance that God will act. Faith enters into prayer with an assurance that God will act. See, this is what excites me. The issue isn't, do I have enough faith to see God answer? No, the issue is, do you believe, do you have faith in your heart to believe that God can answer this situation and do something? Do you believe that? And are you willing to go talk to him about it? And, and like the old timer said, pray it through if necessary. Are you willing to do that? that that's, that's reality. Are you willing to do that? Faith enters. In fact, if you look here, verse 17 and 18, that it would not pray, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. What's going on there? He prayed, he knew, God, you're going to make it rain. Boom, it rains. He prayed, God, it's not going to rain. I mean, he knew that God was going to answer him. He knew. He knew. Okay. All right, so let's bring this back to where we are right now. You know what the key to your prayer life is? What you believe about your relationship with him. So let me give you an example. I was uh, dealing with a situation, and it was three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, at this meeting. I was sitting in the back there praying, and I said, God, my dear friend is going through this right now, and the people who are in authority or whatever, have no clue about what's going on, Lord, I'm willing to go to their board meeting and explain my friend's ministry. I figure that's, that board meeting takes place in September. Lord, I'd be willing to go during the week in September and take care of that. I'd be willing to do that, Lord. Just praying that offhand. I'm going to be honest with you. I was thinking about that praying out because just praying for my friend. Didn't expect any answer to that. It's kind of like you, when you pray, sometimes you process. I just I, Whatever I could do to help him, okay? Next day, I get a phone call. Can you come to a meeting in New York? When? Well, originally, it was going to be the Sunday before Foster got married. Ah, I can't do that. Well, how about next Sunday? How about come up next Sunday after church? I'll have the meeting on Monday. Got off the phone, and I thought, whoa. Do I really want to go to that meeting? Then I remembered... You just prayed about it, didn't you? And it wasn't even something that I was consciously, I mean, I obviously was conscious processing it with God. And that meeting happened. 
Now, do you think that changed my perspective about my relationship with God? He obviously listens, right? What am I saying there? God even hears your little thoughts on the sideline and acts on them because he cares about you. So talk to him. Did you understand what I'm saying? You talk to him. You say, that's, that, that's just a coincidence, George. There's an awful lot of weird coincidences happening. Did you know what I'm saying? There's an awful lot of weird coincidences happening. See, that's what faith is. Faith is, what kind of relationship do you have with God and what do you believe about him in that relationship? And you pray like that. Did you understand what I'm saying? You pray like that. God, you are this intimate person that I have a relationship with. I can go talk to you about anything. I can talk to you about stuff I can't even talk to my wife about. That's true for all of us here, isn't it? And I need you to work in this situation. I need you to work in that situation. We need to pray that we become a church like that, that views prayer that way. Let me pray for you. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your love for us. And I just pray and ask right now that your Holy Spirit would guide us into an intimate relationship with you. You do hear us. And you are wanting to hear us. But we just need to have faith that that relationship with you is real. And that we can come to you believing that when we bring you these requests, you're going to do something. Even in your silence, that is for a purpose. Help us with our prayerlessness. Help us to be praying people who are committed to prayer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.